Hi, welcome to What Makes Them Tick, where you can learn life lessons from extraordinary people and use them in your own life. My name is Doug Green. I'm an author, interviewer, and videographer. In this podcast, I'm interviewing Lori McNee on how she's mastered the skills of social media to fuel an incredibly successful fine art business. She'll also reveal what drives her and why she does what she does. Hi, my name is Doug Green. I'm an author, writer, photographer, and really what I consider myself at my heart is an explorer. I love to learn what makes things tick and how they, um, why people are the way they are. And it's really my pleasure to have on our show today, What Makes Them Tick, Lori McNee. She's an artist. She does oil, caustics. What is it called? Caustics? Encaustic. Encaustic. I'll explain later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And she's an incredible artist that lives in Sun Valley, Idaho. But in addition to being a very creative artist, she's also a very successful marketer and entrepreneur. And that's a rare combination. For, for my experience, that seems to be a very rare combination in artists. Lots of artists out there and a lot of starving artists, not a lot of really successful artists. Lori seems to be able to bridge both of those worlds with ease. She seems to be just as comfortable out in nature painting a river or wildlife or a mountain scenic as she is creating programs, digital programs, and being on video and speaking to groups. Um, She seems to move back and forth with just an ease that I find really intriguing, and that's what I want to explore today. So first of all, Lori, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Doug. Hi, everybody. (laughs) And I thought we'd first explore the creative side. How did you get into, it's the art that drives all of this, really, right? At the core, that's what came first, and then the marketing came later. So why don't we deep dive into the art fairly quickly, and how did you get into art? How did you, um, you know, what motivated you to become an artist, first of all? Well, my parents said they always remembered me being an artist as soon as I was born, basically, um, and uh, holding a crayon in my hand and doodling and that sort of thing. And then as I got a little bit older, we went on nature hikes a lot um, with my parents on the weekends, and and I grew up in Scottsdale, and we'd go out pottery shard hunting and things. So I was very intrigued with nature. That's one reason why I love nature. And then growing up, going to my grandfather's in Colorado, he had a ranch, so spend a lot of time in nature there. And then Um, I loved birds from, uh, you know, as long as I can remember, Scottsdale is a birding Mecca and, um, and we would flood the yards with, uh, water instead of have a sprinkler system and all these beautiful birds would flock to our yard and I was very intrigued with them. And my sister and I would try and go out and capture them and we'd nurse the injured birds back to health that would hit our windows, of course. And, uh, And then um, finally I decided to capture them on paper, and I've been drawing and painting birds ever since. So was there a moment for you, like, when you started drawing and it was like, oh, sometimes people have an aha moment when they discover something that they just feel that they're meant to do. Did you have one of those, or is this just something that came in gradually? Well, you know, I, I would say it came in gradually. But I got some recognition in high school. So after I lived in Scottsdale, we moved to San Diego for my um, teens. And 
and I still continued my art and took art class. And um, in high school, I entered a contest at the Del Mar Fair, and I won first place out of the whole county um, for uh, I, I drew a Marlboro Man, <laughs> loving the Old West. But I, I won first place, and from there, I had some interesting things happen where um, businesses were asking me to draw, you know, different things for them, and it just my career started taking off at a young age. I, I it gave me confirmation that I should be doing this. So you were doing commercial work too. A bit, at a young age, yes. So would you consider that to be more like graphics? and? No, it wasn't. In fact, um, I'm not trained in graphics. Uh, it was definitely fine art. They would have me do portraits of maybe the president of a business, that sort of thing. So it was more fine art. Wow, okay. Yeah. And how did that... You know, what's the path that... Um... I know. And so um, I did not major in art um, because I was told, oh, you know, the naysayers out there, right? And so I, I majored in business, and then I got frustrated with business, and I ended up um, uh, being a liberal arts major. But then I got married and started a family shortly thereafter, and uh, my career really blossomed during kids' nap times and in between loads of laundry. (laughs) So um, back then, wildlife art was very popular and um, in its heyday. And um, and so to keep myself motivated, um, I'm a bit goal-oriented. And so I would enter different competitions. And back then, the duck stamp competitions, trout stamp competitions, that sort of thing, were very uh, popular. And so I entered those. I never won, but I did get um, honorable mentions a few times in third place and that sort of thing. But um, and, And then I also did some illustrations for some books and uh, the Nature Conservancy and Ducks Unlimited. And so I worked um, during um, my child, my kids' childhood doing that type of artwork. So it was partially what at least drove this was the recognition. Yes. Okay. Yes, a little bit. I, I think I enjoyed that. Talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh no oh yes so well <laughs> and also what frustrated okay, you I'll about you. business <laughs> <laughs> okay math <laughs> you know oh so um well as a, as a kid growing up in scottsdale <laughs> And we moved when I was 12 years old to San Diego. And Scottsdale was a pretty conservative place back when I was a kid. And I went to school every day wearing a little pleated skirt and and cute little patent leather shoes. And then we got whisked away, moved to Southern California, which was, you know, very – it was kind of, I don't want to date myself, but it was the early 70s. So you know what it was like in California in the 70s. And I came to the first day of school in junior high wearing my little pleated skirt. And boy, I went home and I'm like, Mom, take me shopping. <laughs> I can't go back to school like that ever again. So I had a hard time um, in junior high. And even the first few years of high school, it was like I was literally pigeonholed. And um, I had a horse and I had my art and I had my sister and I had neighborhood friends. But I wasn't accepted in my own community of, of students. And so Why? there's probably a little bit of that. I don't know. They just were 
until I matured, and then because um, I was a slow mature too, so Talk I was kind about of that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just you know a little skinny little wafy gal, and uh, uh. and then once I got um, into high school, then I blossomed, and then all of a sudden I I ended up popular, and so it was kind of it, it was interesting, and I was. Very shy. I mean, it was so hard for me. If I got called on in class, I would turn beet red. I couldn't get up and public speak. Um, it was very difficult. So I've had to overcome quite a bit of things to get to where I am right here, right now. <laughs> <laughs> so for the last, well, up till now, you've always been painting, right? When you were married, you painted and it was... I started painting, yes, um, when I was married is really when I started painting. And um, I got married in my early 20s. So I, I've been painting since my early 20s. And I was an acrylic painter because I didn't want anything toxic in the house for the kids because my studio has always been in my home, still is. Um, so I used acrylics, which you don't need um, solvents and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then from there, as um, I started painting in oils in 2000 and uh, made a shift and um, went from wildlife into landscape and, <clears throat> and then my still life painting. And then things really started to take off from there. What drove you into each of the different genres, like wildlife and then... Yeah, that's Each that's step. a really good question. Well, again, you know, my love of wildlife, which I still have, and it was also very popular. And um, by the late nineties, it, it wasn't; it was falling out of fashion a little bit. And it's not that I necessarily was following that trend. It's just I was ready to make some changes, and I started to get bored of um, just painting animal portraits or or drawing birds and animal portraits. And so I wanted, I was more interested at this point in their environment. So I started taking plein air painting classes and things like that to understand how to capture the landscape and then make the animal secondary to the landscape, which is what I do quite a bit now. Um, and then, uh, and then from there, I took a workshop with Robert Moore, who's a pretty well-known artist in, um, Sun Valley, or the Idaho area, excuse me. He shows here in Sun Valley with me. And uh, he had a still life uh, workshop along with a, a landscape workshop. And, and so I took that and it just really captured my attention and I started painting still life. So your motivation has been um, more what's coming from inside of you than what the outside world is saying, hey, this is what we could sell? Or would you say it was both? Did you see the demand out? Were you um, driven by what you could sell I to? Think, I think it kind of, I think it comes from inside, but I am, I watch and, you know, my little marketing self was already going on back then. And I, my dad, um, I come from a family of entrepreneurs and, uh, and I am a good salesperson. And when I was a kid in high school, I was like the top salesperson for the limited in the state of California. And the limited is a popular um, women's, women's uh, store. And so I was the pace setter, which means they, the other salespeople at, at this um, chain of stores had to try and keep up with my sales. And so I, <laughs> and so I have a knack for that. And dad always said, sell yourself. 
you know, you don't have to sell your product, you're selling yourself. And so basically, I've always known that. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of like psyching out the professor or whatever, you know, and, and uh, just kind of seeing, I, I'd like to see what people are interested in. And if it interests me, then I will, I'll do a little bit of that. But I definitely like to paint from the heart. So were your what did your father do or your parents do? Are they marketing people, business people? Um... Yeah. Um, dad, he was a mortgage banker back when I was um, a little kid, and then he's gone into real estate development, mom and dad uh, together. And uh, so they've done quite well with that. And, he, yeah, just they've, they, dad's thinking of writing a book about his adventures because they started from very modest beginnings and uh, they've been, become quite successful. And mom, unfortunately, is not here any longer, but he's still working. So would you say that um, your father was a pretty big influence on you and that he was a strong um, supporter? Oh, definitely. My my parents both were um, have been my biggest supporters, and Dad still is my biggest fan. Yes. So they've um, right from the get go, they were encouraging, and they never said anything like you couldn't do this. It's always no. Like, it's always I could do anything I want. I just had to put my mind to it. Wow. Okay. And I really do believe that. Yeah, I get that. Okay, let's talk about the marketing side. So you're sure. So you're painting, you're obviously putting out, I'm going to assume you're putting out a fair amount of artwork. It's like, okay, now we need to sell this. Yeah. So let's talk about that other track, the selling track, the marketing track. How did that develop and how did you, um, you know, how did you get started first? And then maybe some milestones yeah. along the way, some key moments. Yeah, so there there are some that stand out in my mind. Um, in about the year 2000, I had been, you know, so back in the 80s, I was in Neyland Gallery, which still represents me here locally in Sun Valley. And I just was in there for a short time. My kids were very young, and I couldn't, I was not prolific enough back then. So I pulled out and just kind of honed my craft for the next um, almost well, 15 years or so. And so by the year 2000, I was working on a series one summer. I took a little plein air, plein air painting box with me wherever I went, and I'd drive my kids to soccer or whatever lessons they'd have. And while they're out doing their lesson or coaching, whatever's going on, I would open up my little paint box and I'd do a quick half an hour paint study. And by the end of summer, I had about a hundred little six by eight paintings. And um, a girlfriend of mine came over to my studio. She said, Lori, these are really good. I said, really? She goes, yeah, they're really good. She goes, why don't I show them for you? She had a, a cute little store in town and I said, okay, that sounds great. So I framed up those paintings, and I also threw in a couple um, still life paintings that I had been dabbling with, very new at still life. And one still life painting, I put a little bird on the vase. And I decided um, to go back over and talk to the gallery director at Neyland and said, hey, you know what? I haven't shown in 15 years, but I have a series of work that is hanging two blocks down the road would you go peek at it? And she went and looked and she came back and she said, I want to show you, I want to give you a show. And, and so, um, so that's kind of how the whole gallery, uh, getting back into the gallery world started. Okay. So they would sell your artwork. Now what about, so they sold 
you being a marketer, let's talk about that. How did you get into um, whatever it is that you do that you market? I know you're on social media, but I'm assuming yes. there's some other. I mean, if you were selling, if well, you were the record salesperson at the store yeah. when you were a kid, those skills were still there, and it's like yes, they were they were a little dormant, is all you know. <laughs> but but there, I sold myself to the gallery, right? You know, mm -hmm. there again, and so she took my work, and things were going really well until about the year 2007, and I found myself suddenly divorced after 23 years of marriages, marriage and three kids, and. Um, it, it was very devastating to me, but I was in a situation that would not have been a good thing to stay in for the rest of my life. So I got divorced, and and shortly thereafter, 2008 was what our crash of the market basically here. At least you know for sure the real estate market took a big tumble in in Sun Valley, and the galleries started feeling the pinch from that as well. And so instead of feeling sorry for myself, I was thinking of a way to kind of reinvent myself and and um, in 2009 I by then I had been on Facebook I had joined Facebook and um, just kind of a way to keep tabs on my kids and kind of connect with old friends that you really didn't want to ever see again you know <laughs> and and uh, my kids were mortified that I was on Facebook <laughs> but I remember at the time seeing a little bluebird tweet by right and birds always capture my attention. So I'm like, what is that? And it said, what are you doing? I think it was the tagline, what are you doing right now? Something like that. And I'm like, what does that mean? That looks so stupid. So I just kind of put that aside. But then I met a friend um, who introduced me the idea of blogging. And it really intrigued me. And my brother knew a little bit about it. And so he helped me set up my first blog. And uh, I already had my website, lauriemcnee.com. I've had that. But a blog was different. And so I started Fine Art Tips. And I started blogging. And I launched it, like you, with five pillar pieces of content because I did my research and understood what I needed to do to make my blog sticky and all that. And all of a sudden, I'm blogging. I'm like, who the heck is ever going to find my blog? You know, who's ever going to find it? Then all of a sudden, bing, I remembered that little bluebird. What are you doing right now? So I went over. I signed up. And I started tweeting out, here's what I'm doing right now. I just wrote this blog post. Boom. And it took off. I literally took to it like a duck to water. I have, like you, you know, in your questionnaire, it wasn't innate. It's just this innate. I've totally understood how to use Twitter. And it was back before it was visual at all. We only had 140 characters. And now it's so much easier to use. And it still confuses people. But, but anyway, that's how that all took off for me. And within a couple of years, I was one of the top 100 women on Twitter. So it's been pretty cool. So talk about this innate feel of how this works. What do you – it'd be cool to dig in. Some people don't have that, okay? Understand yes, that. I know. So – my sister does, and I'm trying to help her because she wants to be this podcaster like yourself. And she's like, I don't get it. <laughs> but so, she's very good at interviews. <laughs> so what is it that you feel or sense or what informs you that this is what you need to be doing? Well, again, 
that little need to be seen, I guess, in some capacity, wanting my blog to be found, wanting my message to get out to the world. I wanted to get my message um, to help other artists. Not that I'm like the most knowledgeable artist in the world, because I'm not, but we all know something that others don't know. And I, being a professional artist for over 20 years at that point, or nearly 20, I can't remember exactly, but right around 20 years at that point, <clears throat> I knew I had a lot to offer. And um, and so I started sharing my tips and and then tweeting and and sharing ideas on Twitter, finding my own voice. It's just like finding your own artistic voice. You find your own social media voice. And in and, and I had a natural aptitude um, for branding. I just knew how to brand myself. And, um, and back then, uh, you know, before a profile picture, people didn't even know what they were doing back then. And then we figured out, okay, so, so I had a picture of myself, kind of a profile of me painting. And, and then that didn't feel right. It felt impersonal. I wasn't looking at, at the viewer. And so... Um, I had my son really quickly snap a picture of me. I'm like, Craig, Craig, stop before you go out with your friends. We take a picture of me really fast. He goes, Mom, please, please. So I threw on red, and um, I threw on my blue apron and a hat, and I held my paintbrushes, and I went like this, and that was very iconic, and, and I got a lot of traction out of that because I wore a uniform, so my profile picture was a smiling face, which is proven to get, like, I can't remember the stats, but five times more click-throughs than a logo. Um, and I had a uniform, which right away, a little tiny 80 by 80 profile picture, you can tell right away, okay, that girl is an artist. She's holding her paintbrushes. She's got a little goofy hat on. She's got her apron on. And so right away, I started branding myself. And also, choosing a Twitter handle back then, um, I was at Lori McNee. And... As soon as I kind of rebranded myself, I went at Lori McNee and I tagged on artist. And as soon as I did that, I started getting all these people following me because right away they could tell I'm an artist and doing something interesting. And um, so it really took off from there. Wow. And you just kind of felt this. Yeah, you know, I know just enough color psychology to be dangerous, and so I knew that red is like a, a power color, and, and blue, you know, presidents and policemen and, you know, wear because it's uh, off, uh, um, comfort, authority, that sort of thing, so some knowledgeable, and then the hat was an Indiana Jones hat, and it so it subconsciously stood for adventure, right, and then the paintbrushes, so it, it worked, and and in fact, they still use um, that picture in quite a few magazines that, because um, I'm an ambassador and uh, sponsored by some different paint companies, and, and they'll use that same picture quite a bit that my son took. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've seen that picture. Um, have I remember you not? that of you. I have seen it, oh, yeah. No, I oh, see it all over the that. place, actually. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah, it's, it's uh, been around since 2009. Wow. Okay, yeah. so... Um, Let's talk about your lifestyle a bit, transitioning back and forth from artist to marketer. Do you sometimes find that you'll go into artist mode for days or weeks on end and be deeply in that world? And then do you need transition time to go to marketing? Or can you just like, boom, okay, today I'm a painter and then tomorrow I'm... I flip a switch. <laughs> <laughs> I do. 
you know, I'm, I'm probably somewhat cursed by being a Gemini. So I have a lot of interests and I'm very good at multitasking, which I know isn't totally healthy for us. So I'm working really hard at being in the now and being very present like I am right now. I'm not in the back of my mind thinking what I need to be doing after this talk. Um, but so that's, that's my goal. I, I've created a bit of, um, of a daily schedule, which is still pretty loose, but I know what I do in the morning and, and generally speaking, I get up and I kind of read and center myself a little bit and, um, I'll quickly check my social media after I've done some, um, personal reading and, and working on myself and, and, uh, getting balanced and then I start my business day for a little bit and then I generally go to the gym for an hour or I go for a hike or something like that and then I get back and I get in my studio and I'll work um, although I haven't been in there this whole week Hmm. but um, I'll generally paint for a bit and take a lunch break and then paint for a little bit more and then I'll do more of the um, online work and that sort of thing sometimes into the evenings. Sometimes I'll paint in the evenings. I find that if I work too late, my mind has a hard time slowing down when I try and go to bed. So I'm trying to be a little bit better about not working too late. So you have a ritual, more or less, that you... A loose ritual, yes. loose ritual. Yes, yes, I do. Would you say that? important. Yeah, talk about that. I think it's really important because um, being basically a freelance person like myself, you have to have a sense of discipline and structure. And so although I am flexible and I am spontaneous, I'm kind of a complicated person because I am a spontaneous, flexible person, um, yet I have to say no to things and I'm, I'm learning how to say no more all the time because you can't take on too much. Um, You spread yourself too thin, which I suffer from that quite a bit. And, uh, and when you have goals, you have to be focused and you, you, mom always said, um, scatter your fire, you won't hit the mark. And so that's an old um, shotgun analogy, you know? And so Mm -hmm. if you're shooting for the mark, um, you don't want to just, so, so I'm doing my best to hone in on my top, um, most important skills and, um, the ones that I get the most ROI from. So speaking of ROI, what have you identified to be those beacons or those things that you get the best ROI on both as a artist and as a, yes. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I've gotten to, with the social media blogging writing career because it also, you know, I've got this little book right next to me. It blossomed into also where I'm a writer from my blogging. I write for magazines. I write for other books. And now I have my own title, um, Fine Art Tips with Lori McNeve from Northlight Books. And it's an honor to write from that for them. And um, I have other book ideas in here. And, and so this would never have happened without my art career. So um, there but I could almost forget being an artist and take off on this whole other business and do just fine. But my first love is the art. Um, and art is like my art is my boyfriend. And art has been there 
when I've been lonely and sad, just like my animals, by the way, <laughs> and um, been there through good times and bad times and always is there for me. And is that feeling that you said you get when you're um, out there taking photographs and that sort of thing, art is one of the only things that really brings me into the now to where I could paint when I'm in the right zone and three hours can go by and it feels like five minutes, you know? And so I know that that's an important thing for somebody, especially like myself, that's very busy. So I am finding a balance between it all. Hmm. Okay. So one of the milestones on the, let's go back to the, uh, Oh yeah. Sorry. Where to focus your attention. (laughs) Where did I go with that? (laughs) So the ROI you want or milestone? What did you want? I think that you, um, so we were talking about, uh, Basically, making the most effective use of your time, right? Not getting too scattered. We were in shotgun yes. versus laser. Yeah. So yes. part of the process of lasering is knowing what to say no to. And yes. also knowing what to keep your aim on. Right, exactly. So I, the question I think I really have is what do you keep your aim on? Um, what are the, the big beacons or the north stars in both your art world and in your marketing world that you st- – you know, you might come off course and it's like, oh, no, I need to get back on. And then what do you point your compass at, so to speak? Yeah. Well, that, that's a good question. Um, so I generally, you know, of course, I need to make money. And it's um, I always tell everybody that compensation comes in many forms. So it doesn't mean that every single thing I am doing is I'm getting paid for, by the way. Um, but it the return on that time investment generally will indirectly bring me in money. And so um, I kind of, uh, I look at something and decide if that eventually will happen or if it's, if it's um, beneficial to a big group of people or, um, and, and will benefit me, I, I will say yes to certain things like that. Um, but I want gallery events, a couple gallery events a year um, with notable galleries and other kinds of exhibitions. And then speaking engagements, I like taking on a couple um, big speaking engagements um, with a big organization um, that also helps with my own influence. And then I'm helping whoever's whomever's listening to me. So that's kind of what I've been focusing on. Okay. On the marketing side, when you're deciding what to write about and um, what market to go after and tagging mm-hmm. and all of that, um, how, what do you, how do you make your choices on what content to put out and who to address it to and what keywords to use and how to organize the structure of the content, things like that. Well, I used to, so if we're speaking about like blogging, I used to blog, um, I'm not a daily blogger because I don't have the time to be able to do that. And I don't have an assistant. I do everything I do on my own. Um, And so I blogged once a week uh, until recently, and now I've cut it back to twice a month and, and I'll, hopefully get back to once a week here pretty soon but i'm going to be um a grandmother pretty soon and my daughter's getting married and two different kids by the way the other one is married and having a child and uh and then i've got 
And then I've got a, a budding actor that I'm helping down in uh, my son down in L.A. And so I'm, I'm still very much involved and busy with my adult children. And they're bounce-back kids at times, which means they come and live with me from time to time. But anyway, um, what was the question? Where was I going with this? I go, I digress. So how to... Um... How to keep your eye on the ball, what content to write, how oh, to blog. know your niche, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. content. I, I don't mean yeah. just the blog, but, but videos. But I'm just thinking and... of, well, when, when you say content, I'm kind of thinking of how I think about the proper content. So for me, when I'm putting out content, generally it's coming from my blog, unless I'm writing for um, a, a publication, and they generally ask me or they have an idea of what they want me to write about but my blog I have control over obviously so um, I I call it the cadence of a blog and I kind of like to stagger the cadence I don't want too many back-to-back social media posts or marketing posts I I want um, it to kind of the it's 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 your storefront. A blog is your storefront, and and it's like being a good merchandiser in um, in retail, which I was in right as a kid or a, a teenager and college student. And we would always change the front window, and we may not get a whole new shipment of new clothes in, but we'd make it look fresh once a week, and even multiple times we'd go in and change the mannequin and and. The same person that walks past there every day might look in the window and go, ah, and come on in. And so that's a key to try and do that with your blog. And, and I, I do my best to do that with my blog is to give people new content to come look at. And that keeps me motivated and keeps me fresh with new ideas. Who's your, how do you, who's your niche market? Do you know how you talk about avatars? They talk about avatars. Yes. Who's your ideal customer? Um, how do you – who is your ideal customer? You know, you're I'm, living – I'm lucky because I feel like I have a broad audience. And, um, again, it's because I'm diversified. And so I, I'm an artist who I, – I believe most people like art. And so I feel like it doesn't matter if you're a businessman or woman or, you know, inside or outside my own niche. I feel like I have something that might be fun for them to look at while they're surfing the Internet. And so I feel confident about that. Um, artists generally, in my opinion, make the mistake of just trying to connect with other artists. And I think that's short-sighted because they need to remember to go outside the art niche because, like I said, they're, they're collectors. Sometimes, yes, they are other artists, but oftentimes they're not and um, reach out to designers and decorators and realtors. And, and so I teach artists to reach outside their niche. Now, that being said, it still is important to understand your niche. And, um, and so I have a couple different niches, I guess, and, and also blogging and social media because I, I share a lot of that kind of content, especially on the Internet. And so I network with lots of big bloggers, um, lots of social media influencers, of which I'm one as well. And so that's almost a whole nother subculture and a whole nother niche. So that's kind of complicated, probably um, complicated answer. <laughs> yeah. How do you um, this idea of working with other bloggers? You create content for them. They create content for you. Or what does that yeah. mean? 
Well, content creation, um, sponsor content, that sort of thing is actually a way um, uh, to monetize a blog, which I do. Um, I invite guest bloggers. Sometimes I'll invite someone that has quite a bit of clout out there in the world to come blog for me, and um, they're grateful to blog for me and get, you know, new traffic because that's a way to get discovered is, you know, on someone else's blog. And so um, I do that. And then also um, I will, uh, people will pay me to blog. Um, and also uh, they'll pay to blog on my site. So that's one way um, that I monetize is through sponsor content. Um, but it's a great way to network. It's like my folks for a while were in the fast food business and they owned some um, Burger Kings in Tacoma area and one thing is Burger King and McDonald's are always right next to each other and so you go down any fast food lane and, and the competitors are just right there right next to you so it's a healthy competition and um, if you learn to give back which is social media is about we it's not about me and so if you kind of keep that mantra in mind and just be willing to help others um, you're not going to receive with a closed fist so to speak so when you open up help others you're able to receive and this world the online world is um, actually a really loving space I like it a lot and uh, people are very embracing and kind and generous and uh, embraceive and so mm -hmm. it, it, it's very beneficial. <laughs> so here's one of the things I found intriguing about the Enneagram results from you. Oh. And um, just to let people know out there, the Enneagram is a personality typing system. It breaks it down into nine pers distinct personality types, of which you are at your core one, even though you may show uh, tendencies of the others. That's actually the motivation underneath that you're looking for. Lori scored very high on one, two, three, four, actually across the board. I believe that you're probably a two, which is called the nurture, but mm -hmm. you have strong wings. One, the one wing is the perfectionist, and the three wing is the achiever. Mm -hmm. So you have this nurture, and you also, your subtype was, there's three subtypes. You're either focused on the crowd, focused on maybe one other person, or focused on yourself your top scoring was on social so you already have this what that informs me is you like to nurture you mm. are very focused on the on the group um versus just one person so you're thinking kind of socially mm -hmm. pretty easily and you know which makes sense based on how well you're doing with social media um your three side likes to win to achieve and be seen and recognized your one wing has yes. this perfectionistic side you know which can be that you see like there is a very specific way to do it you, you often get a body sense of this is the way this should be achieved or this is the yes. way things are mm -hmm. the three wing the three can't stop they believe I mean, they just kind of innately get Here's what I need to do. Here's the goal. Here's where I am. And boom, 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 boom. Yes. And they mm -hmm. just make it happen. So that it's a really intriguing combination. And I think it actually <laughs> helps explain some of your qualities. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, where to go? Yeah, I thought you? that was interesting too. Let's... And I think it was pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I um, nurture and help to the point of hurting myself almost because I give so much myself and that's where I'm learning to say no more and that sort of thing because I don't like to disappoint others and I love to help and watch people succeed and uh, it gives me a lot of happiness to see that I've helped someone else's life in some way um, be better or you know further along in their career or whatever and so so I'm I'm learning that boundary for myself mm-hmm um, the shadow side of the two can be that they give to get. If you're an unhealthy two, you might. Yes. You'll be able to sense what people need even before they yes. do. Yeah. And you'll, you can provide that. This is an unhealthy two now, which I don't think you are. But this is what can happen. They give, they know what they need within themselves at an unconscious level, but they can't voice it. So they'll give it to somebody else with the expectation that that person will give it back to them. Oh, right. No, I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not. I, I don't believe I'm coming from that space yeah, at all. I don't think you are either. No, I feel like I am full. I feel like I am a vessel that's filled and I want to share what I know and have with others. Share my light, so to speak. Yeah, I also sense, though, that you may have a pretty good capacity to intuit what others do need, even if they don't know. Yes. So. Yes, and that's true, yes, but not because I am, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, trans, like I'm trying to get, because I need that too. I yeah. What's the word looking for? Well, the shadow side or something. Um, yeah, but transferring. Um, uh, no, projecting. Like projecting, that's the word. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't yeah. think you are either. You're, no. you're a healthy too. <laughs> well, thank you. And that, but the gift is still there, this ability to intuit, kind of sense, feel into what others need um, and see it. And then when you say, oh, okay, I sense that this would help that person out, and then to be able to consciously make a choice, is it worth my time, does it serve me also to do that, then to move forward. Right. Well, it goes back to saving those little baby birds that needed help, you know. And I'm the type, if I'm in a grocery store and I see an older person having trouble pushing their grocery cart in the snow, in the in the road, I always go help, you know. I just like to do that. It, I am happy. I feel like that was in front of me and I'm there to help. And I, I want to, and, and I want to be that type of person because I think the world... It, it, you know, people are so busy that sometimes we forget um, to help our fellow person along the way. And I don't want to be that type of person. Now, here's another about the two. Um, the nurture, when they go to their heart point, when things are really, mm -hmm. well, they move towards the four, which is the creative side. So my guess is. Oh, I wish you, I was more of the four. Well, I think <laughs> that you show a lot of the four, the creative side, your art. Oh, good. Yeah. To bring out the best of the four. Um, yeah. So, okay. And that's true. 
and and it and one last thing on that is going from the head and and making the decisions from the heart rather than the head. I'm really focusing and being mindful of that too. So what does that feel like when you make a when you know that you're making the right decision from the heart? I'm a head type, so I don't. This is not my world. Yeah, um, Talk- it's an inner knowing without um, having the doubts and more of a calm knowing that it just it, it's a feeling. It feels right, and the head kind of questions and has maybe a bit more anxiety about things and and uh, um, overanalyzes, so, so to speak. Talk about the feeling. Can you dive in deeper, maybe find specific areas where you feel that? Like, is, do you feel it in your, in your gut, your heart, your... Well, it's almost like a calmness that just kind of comes over you, a sense of peace in a way. And this is honestly a little bit new for me to allow myself to to get in touch with that because I've been, um, you know, very busy and been through some anxiety through the years and heaped on too much in my life that's caused a sense of stress in my life. And I almost at times am possibly addicted to it even. And it's not healthy, and I don't want to do that anymore. And I want to be more calm and get in touch with my heart center and and know what that feels like. And I am learning that now. And so it is a calmer, warm feeling that um, comes over you when you know you've made the right decision and you feel good about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um- Finally, let's talk about some tips you might have for other artists that are looking to um, be more successful with their marketing and their branding. Okay. Talk about, you know, let's just get pragmatic. What are some tips that you would have? Maybe top three tips for social media, top three for, uh, just if you look at the things that have been most successful to you, what would be the top three first places to go? And then this, well, and the other question would okay, be, go ahead. Mm-hmm. The other question to that would be to help them find that kind of inner space within them to be able to do that. It's one thing to do it. It's another, you know, that's the external part. Um, right. And where you succeeded is being both. So how can they bridge mm-hmm. top three tips on bridging those together, being an artist and being a successful marketer. So let's start with right. the top three tips first okay what to do for mine so to speak um well twitter just really changed my life and um and i don't know that it is the necessarily appropriate for every artist and so one thing i tell um people when I'm teaching them about social media is it is not a one-size-fits-all and I think it's really good to get on all the big platforms and just jump in get your feet wet don't be afraid spend a little bit of time getting to know the different platforms and within a couple months you'll know if you have an aptitude for it if if you're enjoying it if it's not enjoyable don't do it you know and I would say that um I, I'm such a big proponent of it. If if this person that we're speaking to out there is interested in being a professional artist or um, entrepreneur uh, or even a part-time, 
and making some sales and branding themselves and marketing and that sort of thing, they should have a social media um, presence because it is the now and it is still, it's not going anywhere. For a while, a lot of people were hoping it would just go away, but it's not going to. And it, for now, it is definitely here to stay. So I would say, you know, being visual, um, the, the visual platforms are the best. Instagram's huge. Facebook and Facebook's still hanging in there and doing really, really well. And I would say Pinterest. Um, Pinterest is really an amazing platform. Um, the pin life lasts a lot longer than a tweet. Um, Twitter is the quickest way to brand yourself, get your message out to the world. Um, but some of these other platforms have a longer shelf life. And so, um, and they're, they're not as fast moving. And so they probably are a more appealing to an artist that doesn't want to spend as much time on the internet. Okay. Yeah. So that's tip one, social media. So, so more about social media and then blogging. So, okay. So a lot of, um, artists and small business owners, which we need to think of ourselves as, um, make the mistake of not having a website or a blog themselves. And so it's great to be on these social media platforms. However, we do not own our own content when we're there. That means anything you upload to Facebook, Facebook can decide if they don't like it. And, and if you notice um, any of you that have been on Facebook for quite a while, you don't see your timeline of your friends and things. You're not seeing the posts that you used to see. You don't see Johnny come by as often as you used to. And that's because their algorithm has changed and they control it and they put up what they think you're going to like and, and what is popular and, and what message they want up. And they do this on your fan page a lot, by the way. There's a lot of rules you have to be careful with. So have your own blog or website because that is what you are in charge of. And make sure you back it up. I've been hacked three times and almost lost everything. But because I had two backups, I was able to get it back. So always back up um, and have your own blog besides social media. Okay, and then your and third tip. And the third tip, do you want it about social media or um, business or? Do you know being a successful artist? (laughs) Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about that. You know, it's just so important when I was wanting to be a gallery, um, you know, represented by galleries and okay, I want that gallery now, and I want that gallery. And you kind of put your, um, you know, put that site on them. It is much better to create a, if you can, some kind of rapport with the gallery or make sure that they really like your work because in the past, I, like this one time, um, there was this husband and wife that owned a gallery in Park City and the husband loved my work and the wife was so-so about it, but he talked her into taking me on. And um, I kind of talked her into it, too. Oh, come on, give me a try, you know, because I really liked this gallery. Well, it didn't go well, you know, and and I learned a really valuable lesson. And and I don't believe, yes, it's one thing to sell yourself, but you want them to feel good about what they're buying, right? Or what they, you, your gallery is promoting you and they, 
you want them to believe in you. They're your agent. You want them to get behind you and believe in you. So don't push yourself on a gallery unless they are very excited about having you. So that, that's a valuable tip I've learned. And then hang out. These are a few extra then. But um, hang out with people who are 100% supportive of you. Don't hang around naysayers because being an artist or a creative entrepreneur can be somewhat risky in the eyes of someone that's um, more traditional and and has a nine-to-five job. And so, um, you know, hang around people that really believe in you. And, and I wrote down a little something here. What did I say? Oh, because you must believe it to achieve it. And I love that because you, first you have to have faith in ourselves and then you have to believe in yourself before you can achieve it. If you don't believe in yourself, you will not achieve it. You have to see it to believe it, and and you have to believe it to see it, basically, really. So it all works together. You have to have faith in yourself. And um, if you have people kind of tearing your dreams down, that makes it hard. And um, another important tip is uh, learn how to handle rejection. None of us like to be rejected. And... I almost have gotten to where I've been fueled by rejection in a way because as a kid I was rejected a lot and it hurt me badly. And now I've built up a tolerance for it to where it's like, okay, so maybe I can't go through that door, but there's another one right over there. You know what I mean? And and Edison, I think Thomas Edison, didn't he say something like, now I know 10,000 ways how not to make a light bulb, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but, but basically that, that's huge. Learn how to deal with rejection, and it's going to happen on the Internet too. We get negative comments, um, mean little tweets, and you just kill them with kindness. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to say? I think I've said a lot. <laughs> I've shared more. You're a little bit like Barbara Walters. I've shared a little bit more than I expected, but um, I hope somebody out there learns a thing or two. I think they will. Uh, <laughs> and if people want to find out more information about you, where can they do that? That's very good. Um, okay, so my blog is Fine Art Tips. And here's my book, which you can't see because I'm not being videoed anymore, am I? Um, finearttips.com and lauriemcnee.com is my website. And you can see my art there and all my tips on finearttips.com. And then on Twitter, I'm Lori McNee Artist on Twitter. And uh, my fan page um, on Facebook is Lori McNee and Fine Art Tips. Um, and, and I might add that the way you spell Lori McNee, Lori McNee is L-O-R-I-M-C-N-E-E. -E. Yes. Lori with an I and McNee with a, a C, not A-C, and knee is just N-E-E. -E. Yes. And uh, you can always Google me and find all kinds of interesting things out there. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, right. it's a lot of fun. I'm having a good time. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you. And um, so hopefully people will find out more about art through you and get motivated to get out there and if they're artists, sell their own art and find ways to get more socially uh, connected and successful. Thank you, Lori. Yeah, thank you.